Have you ever quit something because you would never be good enough? How much have you missed because of it? I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 20 of the Hearth of Setbush Hollow, where you gotta be bad to be good. Welcome to the Hearth of Southwood Hollow Chronicles and Lessons from a Life Tied to Family, Community, and the Land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapwish Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich from Ben Bella Books. Sheep tipping has become a thing here on the farm. Every spring, Gwen, the shearer, travels to Sapbush as part of her annual circuit through the Northeast. Like her dad before her, she sets up in the barn and invests long days working through the flock, removing their fleeces so that I can have them made into blankets and yarn. For a few years now, Sersha and Dula have worked with her, helping to pack fleeces and catch sheep, watching her strong, lithe body gently take each ewe, turn her over in what seems to be one effortless maneuver, then peel the fleece away with a few mesmerizing strokes of her blades. I want to learn, Ula announced one evening last spring. I want to learn, Sersha told me the next morning. And so now, as summer wanes, Both girls prepare for a shearing school in Vermont this coming weekend. They've been getting lessons to complete in advance so that the class can move as efficiently as possible when they gather this Saturday and Sunday. Before they can even hold a set of shears in their hands, they must learn to dress properly, to stretch their bodies and warm up carefully, and they must learn to tip a sheep and move it through the shearing sequences, which looks easy. But it's not easy. They've pulled Ricardo, a weather who has become something of a pet, and two other ewes off pasture and moved them into the barn. Daily, as part of their afternoon chores, each girl climbs in, practices quietly catching each sheep and turning them over, then moving their hands over their bodies as though they held the electric shears. The sheep kick away and bolt and won't hold still. 
Sersha and Ula are convinced they've got it wrong and they want to quit. So I launch back into homeschooling mom mode. Show up each day and try again. Don't worry about getting it wrong. Tomorrow, you'll understand a little more because of what you got wrong today. But then I'll still be doing it wrong in class, Ula laments. But you'll have enough familiarity with the movements that you'll understand what you're doing wrong when they explain it, I tell her. Keep your sessions short, quit before you're frustrated, and just keep going back. You'll never be good at it unless you're willing to be bad at it first. But it's hard for them. They want to be naturally talented. They want to be good at this. They want shearing to be as easy as Gwen makes it look. I feel their pain. That's how I used to feel about music. When I was 16, I saw my first big band jazz concert. I had been a half-hearted flute player in the high school band, and I'd never seen or heard a saxophone in a jazz band. My life changed in that moment. I marched into the band room the next day and informed my teacher I needed to start playing jazz saxophone. I begged and borrowed used instruments and practiced nonstop until I was able to convince the director of the local jazz ensemble to let me join. He agreed, but only on the condition that I played the baritone sax. They needed a player, and Suni Kobolskill had an old one that I could borrow. It couldn't play below a low C, and I had to hold some of the keys together with duct tape, but I was able to get a sound out of it. I soon learned that the baritone sax was everything I was not. Long, low, rich in tone. Where I'd only ever learned melodies, the berry let me fill in the bass, adding deep, roasty notes to temper the brightness of the other horns. I fell even more deeply in love. I got one of my best friends from high school, Luigi, to join the college jazz band with me. He started with his trombone. Then he began playing the upright bass. This was our shared love and I wanted to be good at it. Now, I wanted to be the best at it. I took jobs tutoring math so that I'd have the money to pay for private lessons. I chose a college for their jazz program, and I practiced, and I practiced. And I was never as good as I wanted to be. Recognizing that I'd never be the best, I skipped out on my audition. I gave the baritone sax back to Suni Kobolskill, walked away from dreams of big band jazz, and moved forward with my life. Thankfully, I had many other loves to turn to. Writing, farming, singing, theater, food. I could afford to let one of the dreams go. But Luigi couldn't let it go. He couldn't bring himself to do anything else. He played jazz through school, graduated, and then took any odd job he could find that would give him the flexibility to play jazz at night. And like me, he loved upstate New York better than any place in the world. He never became famous, but he always held on to his love. He moved back home and brought his jazz with him. His wife, Christina, a jazz sax player, took over the local jazz ensemble. Tom Edmonds, who used to sit at my espresso bar each Saturday morning until he passed earlier this spring, would sing with them. While Luigi and Christina lived for the night so they could play music, I lived for the pre-dawn hours for writing and making croissants. 
We never saw each other except for Christmas Eve each year when we could meet at midnight. For the other 364 days, we relied on Tom Edmonds to carry our friendship back and forth. And then Tom was gone too soon. Without him, Luigi and I needed to find a way back into each other's lives. So, on the day Bob and I had to go get his cancer diagnosis, Luigi and Christina pulled into our driveway. They opened the trunk of their car and pulled out the college's old baritone sax. The A-flat key only works occasionally, and it can't play anything below a low C. They plunked the berry on one side of the kitchen table, then sat with us on the other until it was time to go meet with the doctor and get the bad news. And then it felt like life couldn't get any worse. Just blow some low, deep notes, Christina would text me in the early days after we got Bob's diagnosis. Let yourself breathe. And oh, my goodness, I don't know how I had that breath when I was young. I seemed to have lost it in the intervening 30 years. But between doctor's appointments and cafe work, I bought myself a horn stand. I set it up in the corner of the kitchen, and every now and then I'd find a few minutes to just blow. Good Lord, was I terrible. (laughs) Nevertheless, Luigi and Christina gave me a date. The first rehearsal of the year for the jazz ensemble would be August 30th. But I missed a lot in the last 30 years. I've fallen behind. I'm not good. I'm not even halfway good. I'm terrible. I need a stronger eyeglass prescription to be able to hold the berry properly and see the music on the stand. The muscles in my face are weak. I've lost my embouchure. But as I'm trying to make up for lost time, I hear my own words coaching the girls as they prepare for shearing school. Show up each day and try again. Don't worry about getting it wrong. Tomorrow, you'll understand a little more because of what you got wrong today. Keep your sessions short, quit before you're frustrated, and just keep going back. You'll never be good at it unless you're willing to be bad at it first. Slowly, bit by bit, Bob works on his cancer recovery, and I'm making progress. And with each new lick I learn, a few more of the struggles, sadnesses, and fears we have faced down this growing season fall out of my mind to make room for new key signatures, new fingerings, new melodies. And so, fall comes, and just like my daughters, I'm back to school, back to opening my mind and my heart to see what more this life can teach me. Thirty years after mistakenly walking away from one of my first loves, I finally understand that the greatest lessons don't come easily. But as long as I'm willing to show up and try again each day, life will keep nourishing me with something new and beautiful. That's a wrap, folks. Look at all the action-packed episodes we've journeyed through together. Shootings, deaths, cancer, sheep-tipping, jazz, the travails of farming and customer service. Honestly, 
you cannot make this stuff up. It can only happen in real life, and it's just been another season of The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow. The podcast is now over for the season. Aww. But Sapbush Cafe remains open till right before Christmas, Saturdays from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. Our online website, sapbushfarmstore.com, is stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats, as well as wool bedding and yarn. And speaking of yarn, September is all about the yarn here at Sapbush Hollow. It's time to plan your winter projects, so visit the online farm store or stop by the cafe and get 20% off all our wool yarn for the entire month. Looking for our grass-fed meats and local groceries? You can drop by the Honor Store any time of the day or night, straight through the winter, located in the Little Red Shed at the back of the cafe parking lot. If you'd like to come see us this fall, our tender site is taking bookings, and our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek is taking bookings through the fall and the winter. You can link over to the listings from the vacation rental tab at sapbush.com. Are you worried you're going to miss all things Sapbush while the podcast goes on fall and winter break? Well, keep up with us by subscribing to our newsletter and blog at sapbush.com. Even with the podcast silent, you'll be able to keep track of farm happenings, my musings, and the weekly prefix cafe special. We are no longer active on social media, so this is the best way to stay in the loop if you don't live close enough to pop by the cafe on Saturdays. If you enjoy the slower things in life, you can also join our snail mail list and get Ula's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered in a drawing to win a free CSA pork share by emailing me at shannon at sapbush.com with your address. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. Better still, you can help make sure it comes back next year for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Or if it's easier... You can also donate to support the podcast by sending a check payable to Shannon Hayes, care of Sapbush Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. That's 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. And that's a really important thing to do because all of this The podcast and the recharging that happens over fall and winter happens with the support of my patrons. And this week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons, Lauren Murphy and Laura Whalen. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. And in case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper. And the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening for another season and have a great week and a safe, restful, healthy, and happy fall and winter. I look forward to joining you again next spring.